Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. 104 books. That's how many children's books are in the average American home, according to the latest Scholastic Kids and Family Reading Report. If you look at low-income households, that number drops to 69. Combine that with budget cuts at school libraries, a lack of brick-and-mortar bookstores in low-income communities, and working parents who may not have time or feel comfortable bringing their children to the public library. And there it is, a book desert, a community where children have little to no access to age-appropriate books. This week, we're talking with two literacy advocates who are working to change that. Colby Sharp and Donalyn Miller are the authors of a new book for K-8 educators. It's called Game Changer, Book Access for All Kids. Colby and Donalyn will tell us how increasing a child's access to books can not only enhance academic achievement, but also positively shape his or her understanding of self and the world. They'll also share some practical ways that parents, teachers, librarians, and school administrators can make small changes that will have a big impact on students' lives. Welcome, Colby and Donalyn. Thank you for inviting us to be here. Yes, thank you. Well, we are thrilled to have you. Could you tell our listeners about Game Changer and what you're hoping that readers will take away from it? Colby and I have talked for a long time about how um, surprising it is to us that while schools are chasing uh, computer initiatives and whether focusing on uh, on other priorities that so many of our children lack just meaningful, consistent access to books. They don't have uh, access at school. They don't have access at home. Uh, we know from study after study the negative uh, effects that has on uh, um, children's development as readers, on their educations, on their future prospects. And also, it's very unlikely that children are becoming engaged with reading when they don't have anything to read. And so we felt like what we wanted to do with Game Changer was build some institutional and systemic support because we see pockets all over the country where people are making this happen for kids, nonprofit organizations that are working in their communities, heroic teachers and administrators and librarians in their schools, parents who are doing what they can in their communities. We have the ability and we certainly have the talent. It's just we're not able to make it happen for every every child. And so I think we're hoping that with Game Changer, we can build that enthusiasm and sense of urgency around the issue. Could you describe some of the barriers that exist now that are inhibiting access to books for students and educators? I think money is a huge issue. Uh, it's not cheap to have giant classroom libraries throughout your building. It's not cheap to have the school libraries that, that we need to have and to continue to update them and continue to get the books that the kids need and the kids want and the books that are 
are going to help our kids fall in love with reading. Uh, I think that's always going to be a barrier. Um, just making sure that we can find funds to give kids the books that they need. And what are some of the strategies besides, obviously, you know, more funding to getting books into kids' hands and to turning book deserts into book floods, as you write? Well, you know, I visit a lot of schools and they have pockets of books in places sometimes they don't even realize they have. Closet with books from a textbook adoption that still have novels there that kids could be reading. Or there, for some reason, there are teachers who don't have the experience to collaborate with their librarians. So they don't, or they may not have a librarian in their school. And so they don't have that opportunity to uh, work with someone else in the school. So some of that is, is, uh, you know, school-based, I think, as far as it being a funding issue, in some ways, it's a priority issue uh, because we have, I, I know money is tied in many, many schools, but we are spending money on some things that honestly just don't help our kids that much, but we know the books do. So it seems with the limited resources that we have, that we should be putting it where we'll do our students the most good, which is books for their libraries, ensuring we have certified librarians, books in the classroom. So from a school standpoint, I think it's also, you know, Colby talks about, you don't plan the budget, you budget the plan. You know, if we've got to have this consensus understanding on why this issue is important, because, uh, because I think many people just honestly don't know. At a community level, what we see is a lack of book ownership in many homes. A lot of kids, uh, particularly children in poverty, are don't have books at home. Their families may not have library cards. Um, even in middle-income communities, we see that uh, library hours are shortening at a lot of public li- libraries. It's harder for working families to get their kids to the library. We're closing brick-and-mortar bookstores, so there are just fewer access points for children to even locate a book in their communities. So these are some other issues that go into the mix when we're looking at what causes a book desert for kids. And a, a bit of it is the school, but some of it is also community-based. I think that's why it cer- does circle back around to the schools again though, because if a child only has one place in their lives where they can consistently get a book to read, it's school. And of course, we're educators, so we look at it through that lens, I'm sure. One of the exciting things about Game Changer is that Colby and I invited 27 people from around the country who have found ways in their communities just to engage children with reading or to increase their book access or both. People from every walk of life, because I think everyone has something to contribute to this conversation. We're also hoping that people who uh, who read the book will be able to find someone who they connect with, you know, oh, that they have the same role in their district or they have the same stance about reading or something that would validate them and, and kind of help them understand that they're a part of this too, that they're doing great things in their communities and their schools, but we can all do more. In Game Changer, we have uh, just a whole slew of amazing people from all over the country that contributed a piece sharing how they uh, rock book access in their communities. And and one of those people is my principal, Sue Haney. And that the culture that she has created in our school and the way that she has just been a driving force behind making sure that our kids have access to books is one of the reasons that I believe our school is so successful. I often get way too much credit for the things that are going on in my school because I have opportunities to write books and travel to conferences and I am very loud online. But my principal and the teachers in our building are really the people we're all working together 
to make sure that kids have books. Uh, for example, she has probably close to a thousand books in her office. And every single day, at least five of my students ask to go to the principal's office. Like they want to go to the principal's office, which I remember as a child who went to the same school. I never wanted to go to the principal's office. It was probably the scariest place in the world, but they want to go there because she has books and she always gets new books. It's not uncommon on a Monday morning for her to walk into my classroom with four or five shopping bags filled with new books for kids. And she puts these in the school library. She puts them in our classroom library. She puts them in her principal's library. And I think just for the kids to be able to see, wow, our principal loves reading. She's spending her own money. She has books. She lets us borrow them. She, if we lose them, she just says, oh, try to find it. And she just helps kids to see that reading is important. Right. Colby, could you tell us about your fifth grade teacher, some of the moments in your own experience where you saw how powerful it was and what a game changer it really was for a child to have access to books? Well, we we have an event that we started a handful of years ago in our town called Nerd Camp. And we bring in about a thousand kids into our school in the summer, most of them from our district. And we have 50 or so authors that come and every kid gets a free book. And over the course, I have fifth graders now who have been going, many of them have been going to nerd camp since first grade. And so they have created this collection of books at their house. Everyone leaves with a book signed by one of the authors they visited. And just the book knowledge that these students have, the authors that these students have met, Uh, They just have become these fifth grade nerdy book club members who are crazy about books, who know authors, who know when new books are coming out, who expect that when a new book is coming out, that that book is in our classroom. They're already counting down the days to Christmas Eve when the new dog man comes out. I think just (laughs) being surrounded by books and authors and it becoming a huge part, being a huge part of their lives, um, they're readers. Like we would expect kids to be when it comes to reading books. They're just excited about it. I follow you on Twitter, so I've seen some of the photos and and some of the joyous moments. I guess what's also heartwarming about that is the authors themselves, whom I've interviewed, many did not, weren't big readers when they were children. And the fact that they discovered a love of writing and illustrating and are able to share that with children is pretty magical. Yeah, and I think that's a good lesson for all of us involved in helping readers develop that reading life that it's not the same for everyone. If you're not reading in third grade, you're not a lost cause. I mean, I know we have all of these third grade reading laws around the country, um, but for some kids, it just takes longer. It takes finding that right book. It takes finding that right person, that right librarian. And we need to know that it's different for everyone. It really does take a village. And if we're all working together year after year, day after day, book after book, some pretty magical things can happen. For sure. Now, Donalyn, you also mentioned librarians earlier. Could you explain to our listeners who may not realize just how important it is, what what a pivotal role a librarian plays in helping connect a child with a book that he or she will love? Well, we know that full-time certified degree librarians in a school improve test scores. They close the achievement gap. They improve writing skills. Uh, We know they have that direct impact on student achievement in schools. From a reading culture standpoint, I see the school library as the hub of literacy in a school. It's the place where 
Uh, the ability to choose your own book and celebrate reading with other readers is is should be, you know, the key belief in that library. Uh, Colby and I have talked many times about the fact too that you know kids get different teachers who have different passions every year, but they need someone in their lives who is going to be that reading champion for them every single year, and that is the librarian. Uh, we also know that. Uh, we have this need for information literacy in society. We have this need for critical literacy skills. Our students need the ability to evaluate information online and off. Uh, we know that reading books fosters empathy. I think we need our librarians more than we ever have. Sadly, what we're seeing in a lot of communities, they're cutting their librarians because they it's a budget measure. Uh, they're they're not in direct teaching role with students in the way that a classroom teacher would be. So it's a place that many districts are going to, to cut their budgets. And I, I think that's so short-sighted, particularly in communities that are book deserts already, because that, that has um, profound consequences on children in poverty, English language learners. They're the groups of children that seem to take the biggest hit when we take the librarian out of a school. It, it's also the missed opportunity for teachers to be able to collaborate with the librarian when there's not one in a school. You know, librarians just have our wealth of knowledge, not just about books, but about so much in regards to information. And, and that is a loss for the teachers in the school to not have access to that expert. Colby, could you tell us how you collaborate with the librarian at your own school? I have never taught in or attended a school with a librarian, with a certified librarian. Um, so I didn't even know that they were like a real thing until I joined Twitter and I saw all of the amazing things that librarians are doing with students. And I didn't realize how the disservice that was uh, happening to my students and I just feel sad. Uh, I feel like I have to try to do some of those things myself and I have to make choices about what I'm going to do with my time. I only have so much time with my students and sometimes you have to let go of other things that you need to teach to try to teach some of the students some of the things that they would be learning from a librarian. And I'm not certified to do that. I don't know that. I don't know how to do that as well as a librarian would. So unfortunately, I can't speak to what it's like to have a librarian. I'm just jealous that I don't. Gosh, well, how do you work to get the right book into a child's hands? I read as many as I can. I read a lot of different websites that help me to know what books are out or what books I should be reading. Uh, for a while, I was reading a thousand children's books a year. I'm probably down to four or 500 now as things have gotten a little bit busier. Um, but I rely on my friends to help me know what books to read. Uh, Donalyn and our friend John Shu and Terry Lassane and Catherine Sokolowski. I read everything that they tell me to read. And so that helps me to know what books my students are reading. But also I listen to them. If they tell me to read Wings of Fire or Land of Stories, then I read Wings of Fire and Land of Stories so that the next time I have a group of kids who haven't read those books, I can book talk to them and, and hand those books to those kids. Your book shines a light on the need for representation in children's and young adult literature. Why is access to diverse books so critical? Well, that light has been shining for a long time. Educators of color, authors of color have been talking about the lack of diverse representation in children's literature as long as we've had children's literature. I think the challenge is that many white educators um, have not taken up the cause as being something that's a concern. 
And if they only teach white students, it may even be happening more so. It's not an issue that they need to think about, uh, which has certainly done our our society a disservice. Uh, Children deserve to see positive portrayals of themselves and their families in the books that we share with them. And too many of our children go for years without seeing any reflections of their own lives in the books that they're they're given to read, that they're assigned to read, or that they have access to at school. We think about what that does to a child's identity. We can certainly think about what it does to a child's engagement with reading. You know, how engaged are you going to be with reading when you never see a book that ever has anyone who looks like you or lives like you? On the other side, uh, the media that children consume, books included, may be one of the only ways that children have to learn about the lived experiences of people who do not look like them or live like them. And so that means that the, and it goes, you know, of course this is in homes as well and the books that parents purchase for their children or um, encourage them to check out from the public library certainly means the books that teachers have in the classroom and that they use for instruction and that they read aloud to kids. And it certainly means in the school library, these are all opportunities for us to open up the world for our kids and also show them that they're a part of it. You know, uh, so uh, Dr. Boudin Sims Bishop may be a scholar who's well known to many of us um, who listen to the podcast. I hope she is uh, well known, but she coined a metaphor in the 1990s that we still use at least pieces of. She talks about books being those mirrors, windows and sliding glass doors. Uh, Kids need books that reflect their experiences. They need books that give them a glimpse into the lives of people who have different experiences than they do. And it's an opportunity for us to connect as a global family and as a shared humanity. So, um, I think I see some changes happening. You know, I see because of the work of organizations like We Need Diverse Books and Social Justice Books that uh, the there's been an increase. I just don't want it to be something that's temporary. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear some of your success stories with your own students, the children in your lives, moments where they found a book or they had access to a book they hadn't otherwise, and how it maybe was a game changer for them. I have a, I teach fifth grade. Uh, Two years ago, I taught third grade. And the very first day of the school year, a boy, call him Alan, walks into the classroom. And Alan saw all of the books and he crossed his arms and he lowered his head and he just stood at the door. And I walked over to Alan and tried to encourage him to come in the class and introduce myself. And he was my only new student, so I knew his name. And he said, hi, Mr. Sharp. My name is Alan, and I don't like to read. And I said, that's all right, Alan. Uh, Come on in. And and I knew that it was going to be fun helping Alan fall in love with reading. And I came to learn that he was pretty far behind. And he didn't have a lot of positive experiences around reading. He um, was held back a year for his reading, and he often was pulled from class. He never got to read what he wanted. His younger brother was a year younger, and now he's in the same grade as his younger brother who read all the time and found a lot of success with reading. And in third grade, Alan fell in love with picture books. And he loved them with all of his heart. And he, there's one book in particular, it was Shy by Deborah Friedman. And he loved it. And we celebrate the Caldecott Medal in my class. 
and Alan was convinced that Shai was going to win the Caldecott medal. And it didn't. And he was heartbroken. He was devastated. It was like, it was such a sad day for him. Um, and Deborah heard about it and she Skyped with us. And Alan got a chance to share with Deborah how much he loved her book. And they had a moment and it was just, it was really special. And he told her about these two pages that he just absolutely loved in the book more than anything. And she actually sent us that painting from the book and it hangs in our class. And, you know, I'm not saying it was easy road and Alan got right where he needed to be that year. Uh, but I'm now currently Alan's fifth grade teacher. And that two page spread from Deborah Friedman's book hangs in our classroom. And Alan is now reading right where you would expect a fifth grader to be reading. He's reading very oddly. It's just, this is kind of an odd coincidence. He's reading a book called Game Changer by Tommy Greenwald. It's a, a book yes. about a football player who has a concussion. And Alan is convinced that Deborah Friedman's Carl, which is her book that comes out next year, is going to win the Caldecott Medal. And he has informed <laughs> me that if she doesn't win the Caldecott Medal, he will grow up and get on the committee and make sure they get it right. Oh, <laughs> what a lovely story. That is just great. What about you, Donalyn? Oh, well, first you need to tell, when I come to your classroom, Colby, I want to talk to Alan about that a Game Changer book because I want to read it too. So I'll get his opinion on that. But, um, oh gosh, you know, I'm just sitting here going, flipping back through the years of all of my the last two decades of my life and so many kids that I could tell stories about. But what I also really want us to understand is that it shouldn't be remarkable for kids to become engaged with reading. It shouldn't be those success stories that we can point to where we made it happen with the child. I, I think we, we should have a story like that for every child. And that's when we know the world of reading will have changed for kids. When we, we can all talk, when, when they can all talk about their journey to reading. I'm not such an idealist that I believe that every single person is going to fall in love with the reading to the degree that Colby and I love reading or that kids like Alan grow to love it. But I want every kid to have the chance. I want every kid to have the chance to fall in love with reading. And I think just some of our kids, because of their access needs, because of misunderstandings by well-meaning adults in their lives or um, a lack of opportunity that some of our kids haven't even gotten the chance to become those readers that kids like Alan do. I think Game Changer is going to help so many educators just get that message and, and help so many more young people grow to love reading. So thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much again to Colby and Donalyn for joining us. And thank you for listening. To learn more about Game Changer, check the show notes or go to scholasticreads.com. Don't miss an episode of Scholastic Reads. Find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and each episode will automatically be delivered to your phone. Special thanks to producer Emily Morrow, sound engineer Daniel Jordan, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time. <laughs>